Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. What's going on, Mech Warriors? I'm your host, Josh. I've got my co-host, Loremaster Denim, in the hot seat with me today. Howdy, howdy. And we are the Mech Bay Podcast, your number one source for all things casual to competitive tabletop battletech. And today, we are talking about the mandatory, the optional, and the completely rejected. That's right, we're talking about optional rules, because if you didn't know, battletech in itself is optional. Because unlike some of us, you haven't been held down by a Manny dominate agent and forced to roll 12s to save your life. But before we get into all of that, we've got some hobby news hobby progress games played and some upcoming events to talk about and i think the big thing which we might as well just roll it out now is the big secret that nobody could keep oh, geez, right <laughs> officially i'm not allowed to say anything about this however since everybody knows unofficially looks like we're getting savannah masters right yeah it looks like we're getting two two per pack maybe a red one blue thought- one <laughs> uh, I, I did not actually see the video that was leaked, but uh, I saw the screen grabs. There, there's a there's a little yeah. box. Looks like you know salvagey box, and it looks like it's got two Savannah Masters on the front of it, which makes cool. sense because you know vehicles come in twos now. I mean, it, it's one of those secrets that everybody knew. It just wasn't confirmed until now, but everybody knew um, that they were coming. I mean, like, who, you can't not have Savannah Masters. It's just not going to happen. I don't know. I feel like the world could have gone without Savannah Masters. I totally disagree. No. These no. masters of the Savannah hovercraft. Yep. I've got, I've got, I've got one of my old metal ones around here somewhere. I was packing up and, and it was just, I was under my desk. I'm like, oh, look, there's a Savannah master on a hex base just under my desk. They're all over the place. Oh, man. <laughs> Two things. Uh, I need everyone to know this is a Gabriel family household. Like in, in this family we use the 360 degree turret hovercraft that's five tons mm. yeah no i'm i'm sticking with the savannah master overwhelming numbers but gabriel for just like i don't i don't even know like one bv more you get 360 medium laser nope <laughs> okay no nope. gotta go cheap gotta go cheap <sighs> fine i'm only firing once and i'm either gonna <laughs> slam me <laughs> <laughs> this kamikaze savannah masters i love the gabriels but i'm happy for savannah masters yeah um, yeah the second thing as i thought of this and my you know ex warhammer brain went savannah masters are the land raiders of the 40k universe as in you think they're called that because you know they are the master of the savannah or the raider of the land and it's the weird stupid retcon of no, no, they're named for the person. <laughs> they are, right? Yes, yes. I remember reading about that a long time ago. It's so dumb. It's like, why is this hovercraft named Savannah Master? Well, the pilot they all killed was Savannah Master, so they posthumously yeah. named it after the test pilot they killed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. But yeah, so we got Savannah Masters coming. I'm happy. You're happy. I mean, we got Shalones in the first one, so it's like 99% more usability right now. (laughs) All right. 
So that's the like secret thing that isn't released, but I guess we're going to get with the Kickstarter, possibly, perhaps. Maybe. Uh, the next thing is, apparently, like the day after we released our last episode, Rec Guide 33 came out. And I was disappointed because like, I really wanted to talk about the return of the Rec Guides. We did mention that there was a Rec Guide 33 coming out. Yeah, we just didn't know it was coming out the next day. Right, exactly. So what do we got in 33? We got a bunch of vehicles, which, I mean, the last group was, but it's like, we got harassers. Everyone loves harassers. We got scorpion-like tanks. We got partisans. Uh, We got this new little hunter. Adorable. I love them. Yep, I like it. It's cute. Uh, strikers. Everyone remembers stomping those in HBS Battletech. I know the, the striker was the tank that was uh, on the cover of the thirty twenty six. Whatever the old original. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is the original vehicle technical readout vehicle thing. It's definitely had a glow up. It looks good. Looks good. Yeah, we haven't gotten new art for that ever. I don't think. No. No. <laughs> no i mean it's really just like an apc with a missile launcher on it like a lrm and an srm like it was definitely low priority on getting new art well this new one in the 33 has a vehicular stealth armor why they gotta it do that a man stealth light tank yeah i don't need that i don't need that at all uh, i love it uh we got a goblin i love the goblin cute little guy uh we got the sm tanks destroyer which i get i i never encountered one i know that's like the lore of like the like the old lore like they use those that that's got the weird dual cockpit yeah so you get that big gun in the middle and you've got you've got like the, the the driver and the gunner are on opposite sides of this of this giant gun that just seemed weird to me like always it's i'm sure it adds to the, whatsoever no yeah no no phallic imagery in that art at all um we got the we got some mechs i think we have to go with like the obvious winner of this rec guide which was the uh the loki mark ii the hell but, yeah the the loki traditionally has overgunned and under armored but this one this one's pretty good oh my god they fixed everything and made it a second model and it's char- upcharged just on it yeah uh what else we got we got the jeer falcon I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, folks. Heard <laughs> <laughs> uh, here first, second, third. I, I like I, I like the two Ultra AC5s with large laser and partial wing in. Like it's just a fast, jumpy harasser, annoy you kind of mech. Yep. Uh, we got Blood Reaper, which I I feel like this is like a new one, but in the sense of like I remember someone talking about this, like making it for like a book. And like now it actually is going to have like actual model and everything. Uh, it's one of your type of mechs because it comes with a coolant pods, three of them. Ooh. So you know that sucker's hot. The old art, I think I had seen it once in like the old model, and I was like, eh, this is this is this is uh, this is definitely a leave it. <laughs> I'll put it that way. But now this looks real good and it's got multiple variants. Models I think, gonna look cool. Yeah, I, I, I mean, my brain's remembering now. It was like some clan wolf like trial. He piloted this one thing that only had one variant. And I was like, oh, fine. I'm not buying a single use mech like that. But now it's well, actually. Now you are. Mech. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, we got the Hatamoto Chi, 
which Rock on. Just, just has like a you know dark age glow up. Yeah, I mean it's it's the Karita variant of a thug. Like that's that's all a Hatamoto Chi is. That's um, all it is. It's well, it's traditionally the the thug is better. Like it's more efficient. But uh, but screw that. It, it's Karita. I'm buying it. It lacks aesthetic. <laughs> no, Said no, it PCMS. adds aesthetic. Yeah, no, the thug lacks aesthetic. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got the Spartan. Not a not a huge fan of this version, but I think they just a lot of toys on it. It's fun. It's just not for me. We got the Naka, the Naka T, because we because took the clan all, needs more artillery. Yeah, I just love like we took the same Naga. We changed ten percent of it and made a new variant. I'm like, did did you have to? We talked about this like two episodes ago. I do like the arms better on this model than uh, than on the original. I don't know. I kind of like the the grocery bag carrying in. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely has big Wumbo energy when you look yeah. at the old model. And I'm not even going to say I don't, I have no regrets about buying the old model. Like, I don't know, last month. <laughs> Josh regretting anything? No way. Who knows? Who knows when we'll get that? Uh, and we got the Mauler, which I think you yeah, said it is. We do. Oh yeah, we got a mauler. <laughs> Look, I'm am I gonna get a mauler? Yes, because I have to I have to complete my Somerset Striker Lance pack. I have to. Um will I field a mauler? Sure, but I'm not gonna like it. I'm not gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna put it out there and I'm gonna make it do its job. But maulers are just they're just not good. They're just not good. I feel like this would be fun though. Like it might not be good, but it might be fun. Yeah, uh, it. I mean, you still can't fire all of its weapons. It's still light on armor. Um, it's still super slow. But uh, but but I'll, I will role play it to have Hank or whatever his name is piloting that. Um, uh, whoever whoever the the sergeant was in in Somerset Strikers. Yep. So I'll have him out there chomping on a cigar, yelling at people while he ineffectively tries to participate. And the uh, the last one we got is a Thunderhawk, and this <laughs> me and you were talking about this. This this yeah. feels weird, but I I like it, but I'll never use it. <laughs> it's weird. It really is. It's got what four ER medium lasers and three Thunderbolt twenties. Uh, if you have AMS, it's it's like well, it either shoots the whole thing down or it gets through, so it's all or nothing. You got fifty fifty chance. Are you feeling lucky, punk? Mm. A minimum range of five, short range of six. <laughs> it's there, and if it's in if it's in minimum, I think it does half damage anyway. It's it's something weird. There's there's all kinds of weird stuff for the Thunderbolt launchers. Friends don't let friends play Thunderbolts. I know you love that Shadowhawk that has like five Thunderbolt fives because you know what? Medium lasers. We don't need those. Add missiles. Yeah, I I have played that one, and and uh, I believe that was one of the only times I've ever run out of ammo using a Shadowhawk. So, um, yeah, it I don't think it killed anyone, but I fired all the missiles, all of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's Red Guy Thirty Three. Like I said, I think the Loki Mark II is the, like definite winner poster boy of that one. But was there anything else that you really liked in that? I mean, I I, I like the Hatamoto Chi. Uh, the one with the heavy PPCs is pretty cool. Um, it, it's also a bit slow, but I, I like how it looks a lot. I like that new model, but the tanks, I like some of the tanks, super lots. Um, 
I will be using that uh, that striker tank. Um, I'll even use the uh, the hunter one, though the one that only has the clan LRM twenty and Artemis. Um, the hunter will be really yeah. really fun. The hunter light support tank. He's yep. just a little guy at thirty five tons. Yep. Uh, and I feel like I must have just skimmed over it, but there's a Karnov UR transport. The, the, stealth, the stealth guy. Stealthy. Yeah. Yeah, this is the the tech readout that had all the the stealth units in there. But yeah, all it has is an ECM and stealth armor, and it just it's used to transport stealth battle armor into battle. You never see it coming. Alrighty then, thirty three. Uh, yeah, we got something new. The Catalyst Twitter slash social media says something new coming January twentieth, I think, and that With would a be big mailed fist on it. Yeah, what's that? Steiner what could it be? <laughs> Yeah, and this is 99% chance a camo specs how to paint Steiner. I I completely forgotten because like they say keep posted here for more info and they never post anything else. And I didn't I realized we had missed the Federated Suns and the Jade Falcon wreck painting guides. I saw the Jade Falcon one come out come out. I did miss the Federated Suns. I'm like the <laughs> The advertisement up for the hype building is not following through on the actual, hey, here's the product now, go get it. Uh, so I, I ran through the Fed Suns and the uh, Jade Falcon ones today, and I thought they were decent. I, I don't have a lot of room to complain. I liked the Jade Falcon one had like more of a how to do battle damage and paint that mm-hmm. for their guide, and I thought that was neat. Yeah, because you're doing Jade Falcons, you're going to take battle oh. damage, so... But they're so humble. They, they would never show it off. <laughs> they would never do that. And the Fed Suns one was a guide on how to do air, airbrush. So I, I liked that. Like, hey, we you probably know how to paint a little bit. Here's like a guide for something else. And I felt like that was something the Smoke Jaguar one did not do. I, I'm really hoping that, yeah, that it's they're taking feedback from the earlier ones and, and modifying the, the next few based on that. So hopefully they'll just get better and better. Yeah, that first one, not great. These two, not bad. I, I enjoyed looking through the, oh, here's all the different companies of like, you know, House Davians, you know, military. Like, I, I enjoyed like, oh, this is what it looks like on the table. So, yeah. So we'll wait for next episode to talk about that. Me too. Uh, let's talk some hobby progress. All right. I feel like I've talked a lot. Denim, have you gotten any hobby progress done? Uh, I have packed up all of my stuff. Um, I packed me, up man. my airbrush. I packed up my, my 3D printer. Uh, so no, I have I have not gotten any hobby progress, and I won't until until March. So, so there. I'm going to sit you down at the game store and make you paint one model. One okay, model. Uh, that's, that's fine. That's fine. I could do that. I just can't do it with my stuff. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I've gotten some hobby progress in. Uh, what did I do? I finally, to like just kick off 2024, I decided to wrap up some some projects that I had left on the table, like literally left on the table, and I finally glued my Undyne or Undine battle armor that I've had since. <laughs> like, like, okay, okay which one right. we- so, uh, story story about that. Um, is is this the one? Because I remember you asking me one time when we were when you were trying to get up, come up with a list for one of your Alpha Strike games, and you're like, "I want to use uh, the the Undyne battle armor." And I'm like, "Josh, that's a great idea." Knowing, I, I believe this is the one that only operates underwater. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, 
knowing that there's no water on those maps for you to for you to deploy in. And I thought that would have been hilarious for for like somebody at the table to tell you that. But uh, you know what you know what hurts right now? They're not <laughs> on Dyne. I thought they were. Then I looked it oh. up. They're salamanders. <laughs> All right, this is probably you probably thought that that at at the time. Uh, when you were doing it and called them undying. And I was like, yeah, yeah, those are underwater ones. Go for it. They probably were salamanders then too. <laughs> I definitely, I, okay. So I definitely remember thinking like these would be good conversions for like, like they look very underwater. Oh, I like salamander armor. Like I, I, I have used those in the RPGs a bit. Uh, they're, they're cool. I like those, but no, never so used are, undying. These are salamander battle armor. <laughs> Gotcha. Completely different, unrelated. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the the opposite, really, water and fire. Yep. I, I think it's like the name salamander makes me think like, oh yeah, salamanders live in water instead of thinking the old like mythological like salamanders came out of you know logs, waterlogged logs, and then you throw them in the fire and they'd come out and like, oh, salamanders are associated with fire. I'm like, no, yeah. no, salamander associated with water. No, flaming salamanders. Uh, maybe that's newts. Is there newt battle armor? Anyways, yeah, so I finally got those glued on, which I've had those for like two years. So glue those to a base. I'll think of something. I was going to submerge them in water. Not going to do that anymore. <laughs> I'll get the actual aquatic battle armor for that. If if there was newt battle armor, I would put them in charge. Oh, Those who get it, get it. Those who don't, sorry. I don't, but we're just going <laughs> to move on. Uh, what else? I I had purchased a second Phalanx battle armor, so I ripped off my like Sea Fox one and like gave it a friend. So like now there are two Phalanx battle armor glued to one base. I was like, okay, all right, we're we're just consolidating battle armor right now. Uh, I've got some Sylph battle armor that I was gonna clip the jetpacks off of to make the like mm. running Sylphs. It's like okay, three for three, we can do this. And then I decided I'd talk so badly about the baboon last episode. So badly, and you have a. Yeah, we actually got, got a lot of comments about that. We <laughs> did, like, we got we got more comments about that than almost any other topic that we've mentioned on here. Leave baboon alone. I think we could do better. Yeah. So, so what's uh, your solution to this? So I glued the heavy PPC from a Titan model onto the missile launcher to make the devil slash baboon mark custom devil mm-hmm. like there's the devil mech which is wreck guide and then there's the variant of the baboon which is lighter right. which just has an ERPPC. and i was like fine now i have a good baboon eh, i mean <laughs> have you have you run it on the table yet i have not run it on the table let's run it on the table and then we'll decide if it's a good baboon or not oh why, why are you gonna hurt me like that <laughs> i love my single i mean it ride. sounds like a pack hunter is what it sounds like. Look, I don't like pack hunters, and this is going to be real weird going my, to my next sentences. I don't know why, but I really like mechs <laughs> with a single gun on the right torso. <laughs> Says uh, the man who, next part of the hobby progress, I bought a Hollander. <laughs> <laughs> finally stopped staring at it long enough to hit the, the buy button. Yeah. Yeah, so I finally gave in and went to Fortress Miniatures in Games.com, and I was like, you know what? I started a new job this week. I deserve a little treat. I was like, now, did I'm you get pop. the original Hollander or did you get the, uh, the, the Hollander three or, or whatever? I got the Hollander three cause I'm lame. Okay. 
All right. Well, now if we both field Hollanders, you know, one of us will have the uh, the OG, and uh, we can we can see which one's better. Yeah. Well, I also thought I was like the Hollander three, technically is a heavy Goss rifle. I'm like, mm, mm. Which means I every sure time you do. fire it, you might fall over. I want to fall down. <laughs> I get Oop, back. Ah. I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> you only take the penalty if you move and fire. If you move, that's true. Stop and then fire. You're good. <laughs> but you're such a light mech that uh, you better be moving. I'm braced. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I got to paint like brace or <laughs> back blast on it. I mean, the Hollander is such an anime type style mech. Like you can oh, you can see it, it just, 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 just stomp those feet into the ground before it fires. And that, that smoke curl around the whole thing when it goes. Mm. Yeah. I already bought it. You don't need over. to sell it to me more. <laughs> but no, I, I've been wanting one since like Mech Commander 2. Like I want to say mm-hmm. that was one of my top mechs in that game. Just yeah, watching yeah. the like little little thing fire in the Goss. Like oh. the game was so bad the Goss actually drifted to the target. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it rolled and it hit. Now the round has to actually find has the target. Find it. Yeah. Oh, I played I played that game a lot. Ugh. Yeah, so if I have if I have any weird mech choices, it's probably because that was formative years for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hollanders. Vultures, blood asp. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. Swarm LRMs. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible on the tabletop. Wonderful in the video games. We were uh, just talking about that uh, yesterday, the swarm LRMs. Yep. They're, they're definitely a thing. They are. They are a thing. <laughs> uh, what else? So, yeah, I bought a Hollander, finally gave in for that at Fortress. I also bought a Uzeal. Oh, I like the Uzeal. I like those a lot. It's an inner sphere mech, but it's it's it it does it checks off all my little boxes. It's a medium mech. It's got some PPCs. It it jumps. Um, so it's got to. It's my striker. It's a striker style. Love it. Yeah. Well, I had added, you know, gotten the Hollander, gotten the Uzeal, and I was like, well, I need, I need that was it's a nice cake. What's the frost thing? And I bought some Rottweiler battle armor and some Fenris battle armor mm-hmm. or Fenrir, Fenris, one of those. Fenrir. The little dog. Fenris. There we go. We'll just blur at the end. Oh, man. It's almost those like... Those are it's... both quad battle armor, right? Those are both quad battle armor. Yeah. Specifically, they're both Lear and quad battle armor. I would hate to pilot one of those. It might be relaxing, but but probably not. The lore says one of those is like comfy because you can kind of like sit down, actually. So it's like the it's like the the Harley Chopper style of of seating on the inside. I mean, I looked at the tonnage and I was like, some of these are like actual size of a like car, like a sedan or something. Like at that point, it's, you can sit down in them. If it's too comfy, well, then it's not power armor anymore. It's not battle armor, and it's just an armored vehicle. It's a Tron <laughs> motorcycle. It's a it's a proto mech. Some might say proto right, vehicle, it's, proto quad mech. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere no. someone is like screaming, like, "No, the quad battle armor! You have to like animal it." <laughs> if that person goes upstairs on all fours, I, I, I'll tell you that right now. All right, so yeah, that's my hobby progress: some buying, some modding. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. books count as hobby progress? Reading books counts as hobby progress. Owning them or looking at them does not. I finished three. 
finished three books, not started, but finished three books. <laughs> okay, so I finished two and started and finished one. So you could legally say I finished two books, completed two books in total length, or I resolved and fi- finished two books that I had started previously in 2023 and started one and finished that. So whichever way you split it, I did read more than one book. It sounds like you went on vacation. I did go on vacation. You know, you start a new job. You got to take a little time off. And yeah, you I was do. just, I was just at the beach um, with some friends and I was like, you know what? I'm going to read Battletech books this whole time. And and do you know which ones that it was that you read? I do. So shall we go in order of, the, the order that you finished them. Okay. All right. Order that I finished them in. The first one I finished was Isle of the Blessed. Okay. And that is the Jihad era, like Battle Corps anthology one that was like. It's, it's, it's Battle Corps, but okay. Battle Corps. Sorry. I'm sorry. I get that <laughs> wrong all the time. I've been yelled at multiple times. Um, that is the Word of Lake attacking New Avalon. Yep. And I think that's got to be my new favorite book. Battletech book, at least. And it definitely had some parallels to the Battle of Tukid. Like, I I really enjoyed the flip-flopping between, like, both sides. So you kind of got the whole picture. Like, I, I realized that this week, that I enjoy getting all the perspectives in a book. I've seen that done really well in a lot of books, not just Battletech books, but, uh, but it helps to give... It helps to give some confusion about who the bad guys are, and it just goes to show that nobody thinks that they're the bad guy. Like everybody's fighting for for whatever they believe in, and bad guy, good, bad, morality. It's it's a it's a matter of perspective. But yeah, that was that was ten out of ten. Loved it. Uh, favorite scene was a mech attacking purifier purifier battle armor, and it's just like on the tabletop. You roll dice, it happens. In lore, it's like the size of the mech compared to the size of the battle armor and the pilot reacting as it runs away. Kaiju battle fight. It's a Godzilla in in my imagination whenever that happens. The man punched the battle armor out of the air. I was like, oh, oh, I had to flip back and reread that whole paragraph again just to enjoy it. It's like, oh, this is good. Uh, But yeah, that was great. I loved it. Um, and then I followed that up with Hunters of the Deep, the Dark Age. The Sea Fox. Yeah, Sea Fox. I think that's like one of the, no, that's not the first book, but it's like the early series of the Dark Age. And I don't want to say that was awful, but I definitely struggled with that. It was slow. It was very slow. There was a lot, there was a lot of, of, there's something cool that this is leading up to, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, I can't wait to see how this three-way battle happens and they literally gloss over it like and it happened oh, is I'm pretty was, sure the words used. It was uh, 100%. It was like um if you saw the Wing Commander movie with the uh, with Matthew Lillard in it, like the whole movie is hyping up to this one giant battle like against the Kilrathi and then as the credits roll they're just like and there was a battle. And that's it. Like you never got to see the battle. Yeah, it's, that's how that book felt for sure. I was, I was like, did we run out of pages? Could we not yeah. have talked about this? We spent like a whole like chapter describing a fake Canopian pleasure circus, but I couldn't get more than like, and he fought a panther. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then he, the main character <laughs> fights the antagonist and he gets knocked down and then he wins. And I was like, wait, what? How did he got knocked down and he just, he just won somehow? A trial of annihilation just there? Localized entirely in your kitchen? Can I see it? No. It definitely felt like. Oh, he was he was losing big time, but then somehow he got this little golden ball thing with wings, and he just won, just won. Yeah, no, it really felt like <laughs> I, I wasn't mad, but I was pretty close to. I wasted a whole day reading this. Well, that's the point: is that they wore you down so much that you had no emotions <laughs> to be mad at the end of it. So, you're like, eh, whatever. Like, eh, figures. Ugh. It tracks. And then, how about the third one? Uh, I finished Embers of War. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another Word of Blake early jihad. Is that the one that follows the uh, the stealthy tigers? Stealthy tigers, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I have both read that one and listened to the audiobook, and I enjoyed it both both ways. That one also had a little of the same symptom where the main character... Oh, I like that, that one. ...blacks out and, like, a lot of stuff happens. And I was like, eh, what? what eh. But the main takeaway from all three of these books is if I had a nickel for every time the like special forces assassin slash, you know, lady was a lady, I'd have three nickels. It wasn't terrible men writing women levels, but (laughs) I definitely chuckled. But no, so I, yeah, I read three books. Hey, I'm three for three for 2024. The, The audiobook was narrated super well. Um, I, I think I enjoyed listening to that. Uh, I read it first, then I listened to it, and I think I enjoyed it more the second time having Trent Sparks read it to me. Good to know. Did he like really give a, like, and the MRMs clunked into my arms? Oh, he's he's fantastic. When he describes a mech battle, it it feels like you're in that mech battle. But yeah, so I, I got my books in, um, and then I got a games played in. Denim, you got Whoa. some games in. You got a game? Yeah, I got multiple games. Uh, Why don't you talk last, about your games? Last our podcast. My Tuesday games um, got delayed a bit because because one, I was at the airport, and another one, we had that big storm, and my windshield wipers just stopped working. So I was, uh, I'm not going to drive out in, in a storm like that with no windshield wipers. But uh, we did have a campaign day, and I played three games there. So I was there for, yeah, I was there for just over 12 hours that day you love it you love it i do it's i like do. a mini really convention do. at your own store my voice was so bad the next morning well i guess that was this morning because it was yesterday yeah and then i make you come on here and talk to people yeah uh uh no the games were fantastic we had a, a few new players though uh some new to to the campaign and some new to to BattleTech. I think you can tell me about one of the new players, though, because uh, you were there. I was there. I decided to play in the intro table with you, Denim, and I also my wife. But yeah, so she took a crab. I took a greyhound. And the uh, rest of the table was a griffin, flashman, and one other thing, a wolverine. Another crab. That's why there were two crabs. Uh, your wife played the crab better though, because she she had picked uh, what the am- animal mimicry and had that crab walk going along. It was uh, it w- it was well done. She has a Solaris special crab that is painted 
like Mr. Krabs, has a sea bill hanging out of a claw, eye stalks with eyes painted on them, and it's painted in the Eugene Krabs from SpongeBob with a SpongeBob SquarePants like background art, like, like the weird like star kelp thing on the bottom with water effect with seaweed. And I'm like, I'm mad at how good this looks. <laughs> compared to anything I've ever put on the table. It's like, if I take animal animal mimicry and I'm in a crab, can I can I do a, a lateral shift as if I was a quad? I'm like, uh, you know, how could I say no to that? I mean, it's a crab. It's going to do this little crab walk, crab walk. Yeah, just <laughs> crabbing. It's crabbing time. I just loved how at the start of the game, she starts in the water, like submerged. Yeah, yeah it comes, comes up out of the water. It was great. It was great. I loved every moment of it. I still shot her in the back, but uh, <laughs> but she survived. She did. She was like, she survived better than most people there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, that was actually a good game. I hadn't played in one of those in a while, so it was nice to kind of like, all right, step out of the DMC, just have some fun, roll some dice, take it casually. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was. It was quite enjoyable. Even if I could barely <laughs> roll to save my life. Josh says, I'm going to take the fast uh, Greyhound tonight. This is going to be awesome. And on turn two, I get no, a turn one. In. It was turn one. It oh, was is it turn one? Okay, yeah. cool. You turn one, tack and crit the uh, supercharger. Bam. You go slow and you'd like it. You hit me with a locust. Mm-hmm. With like a locust that small, ran 28. Yeah. yeah, a small laser, medium laser hit me. I go fast. You go slow. So mad. Like. Uh, so mad but yeah that was my game for play <laughs> yeah it's fantastic <laughs> i had fun my wife had fun we'll probably be there again for next month's campaign do the same thing yeah she's gotta upgrade that crab she was already debating on it and she Step definitely one double heat sinks do it that's what i said and then she was like but what else do i do i was like whatever you it's want and she's like that's yeah. too much i think she's doing the uh targeting computer and some medium pulses for the short range she do a targeting computer and hardened armor because she's a crab Ooh, hardened armor i hadn't even thought of that mm-hmm. you know what I'll, I'll have to break it like hey you want to be really annoying <laughs> <laughs> it would be too yeah yeah i'm like denim's gonna hate this <laughs> i just suggested it how am i gonna hate it <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh let's wrap this up with some uh upcoming events so we actually have LVO in like five days. So, AKA, I know it's coming up soon. Oh, it really creeped up on us this year. We won't be there, but it's creeped up. Uh, yeah, so that's LVO. We got a Matt, the Northwind Highlander with the Valhalla Club, is running some stuff there. So, if you are in the Las Vegas area, stop by and say hey to him. You've got the Battletech Arctic Blast in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I keep getting that wrong. I'm sorry. It's Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And that's on the 20th. So that's this Saturday as well. That's Alpha Strike. And we also have a Battletech Alpha Strike tourney in Greenville, South Carolina, also on the 20th. So whether you're in the North or the South, there's some Battletech Alpha Strike for you. Yeah. This weekend's a good weekend for Battletech. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also had the Adepticon events open up for entry. (laughs) Open up and then sell out immediately. Yeah, so Denim, are you going to the sold-out event thing? Literally the same week that I am closing on my house and, and moving. So there is the stop hosting events on years that I move to a new house. Please. 
it's okay. I also have the same problem of I'm taking a vacation to Portland. You just took like, a vacation. I took a the work change vacation. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I will be taking a semi-vacation in Portland on, what is it, March 9th? So if you guys, if anyone's in the Pacific Northwest and wants to play Battletech with Josh from the Vec Bay podcast on March 9th slash the, that whole week, let me know. I'm really hoping to play Battletech. You, you say that. My brother lives up there now. He can, he can, uh, he can play Battletech the, with you. I'll play the whole Hardman family. <laughs> it's going to take a while. It's a big family. But hey. <laughs> challenge accepted 2024 bucket list there we go but yeah so i'll be up there um so i will not be at adeptcon i did want to go i did actually want to do some of the other events like last year was the all competitive tournament rah rah josh and i really wanted to try the other half this year so i was a little Mm -hmm. disappointed but unfortunately dustin is also having life events that same week so it's like march yeah yeah if we put an episode out in march we're doing pretty good oh yeah i was gonna say that might not happen but we'll see we'll see i'm hoping i could do a campaign day in march it's not looking great you'll just just say it's solaris and everyone pairs off ah yeah that's a good idea you're like that's not terrible idea josh (laughs) (laughs) look at duncan fisher to, to narrate it i like it there you go all right, you want to take a quick break, and then we gnaw into our main subject of optional rules and things we can't live without? Sounds good. If you are one of the hundreds of mech workers living with tinnitus, infertility, heart palpitations, anxiety, or even death, you need to hear this. Some paddle mechs listed in the report by Comstar titled Experimental Technical Readout have been found to contain untested equipment. If you or a loved one have piloted a battle mech with a prototype improved jump jets, quadruple strength mimer, or even prototype double heatsinks, you may be entitled to compensation now. Hi, I'm Dale Cannon. Please call me today. We will fight to get you the justice you and your family deserve. All right, we are back. And I think it's finally time that we really, really cracked open that tome known as the Battleback Manual's optional rules section. <laughs> there are a surprisingly large number of optional rules in this book. I was prepping for this episode. I knew some of them. I did not realize it had as many as it does. So I wanted to talk about this because of me looking at like a bunch of events, like large events, like Adepticon and stuff. And a lot of these have like, hey, here are the optional rules we are using. And I was like, everyone uses optional rules. What really are optional rules? Why do they exist? Why are some like mandatory and why are others optional kind of things? So like, it's not just like in a game like here, here's the alternate way you can play. It's like, no, here's the thousand other optional rules to tweak Battletech into the game you want. And I'm like, I think that deserves going into a little deeper. Don't you think? Oh, I agree. I agree. Optional rules are definitely something that uh, that I use in every game. When I say optional rules... What do you think of? Oh, like immediately what comes to mind are people asking uh, about floating crits or or specifically about flamers and do they do both like damage and heat. But actually optional rules covers a ton of things, including uh, just using BSPs or smoke and fire effects. Uh, so it can cover a bunch of things. Yeah. Yeah. Optional rules are just like everything else. <laughs> 
Right. Like, like it's, it, I hate that it's that broad, which is one of the problems, but it's like really a lot of the of Battletech manual is just optional in itself. There, there are a lot of things that, uh, yeah, it, the book would be a lot smaller if they did not include any of the optional rules, rule stuff at all. Oh, can you imagine not even the Battletech manual or Battle Mech manual? It'd be the Battle Mech handbook. Like Ooh. just a little like flip. Like it'd be a paperback. Yeah. Be, There's oh, no hardback, hardback version. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh I, I dig that. You just fold it up and stick it in your back pocket like a comic book. I mean, I guess that is like the game of armor combat stuff. They could have made it thicker, but smaller yeah. dimension wise. How about that? Yeah. But no, that is also kind of what I think yeah. of. Like, I think I, of, I guess, yeah, yeah Battletech without optional rules is the, the rule book that comes in in the game of armored combat. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> that is really it. <laughs> yeah. Like, vehicles also optional. <laughs> yeah. Beginner box heat optional. Oh man! <laughs> internal structure also optional. I'm okay with the internal structure. I kind of, I kind of don't like heat being optional. I understand. I get it. But uh, everyone just plays with a shadowhawk. You never, it never even <laughs> comes into effect. Yep, mech that can take two engine hits and still not notice. But yeah, no. I also kind of think of things like floating crits, flamers, careful stand. Th- those are things of when I here optional rules big question is why do optional rules exist like but why why are these optional right i mean a lot of it from my understanding is uh a lot of people have played battletech for a long time it is one of those games one of the few games i've ever heard of that uh, this year is its 40th year and it's never had a a battletech 2.0 like we are using the same core rules is they they had when they came out with the box set the first box sets so it the core rules obviously work but when you've got 40 years of playing there have been a lot of house rules coming up where people like either misunderstood it or or in their head they're like yeah but this makes more sense or i like this better and filtering out those house rules throughout the years um the most popular ones they decide that uh that, hey, this this actually does make sense, but we don't want to change the core rules, so we'll just make this an optional rule and put it into the rule book. That way, people can actually use it in tournaments and store play uh, without, without having to remember it. Like, it's written down somewhere. It's, it's, it's canonized. It's, uh, it's legal for tournament play if you allow it because it is in the Battle Mech Manual. Um, so that is... Uh, I. I have not talked to people in the know about this. This is my, this is my understanding. This is uh, this is how I believe it worked. Yeah. It always felt like these are things we would like to make official, but we just can't, whether it be logistics of, we can't rewrite the rule book every time we think of something better or like some of these are more complicated. Like that's just the nature of the game. Like the way it is written originally is simple and works 99% of the time. And this option rule that used to be a house rule, like a fix is like, Hey, we can't do that for like putting it in for all cases would just be unfeasible. Right. Or like, you know, something like floating crits totally makes sense. You know, the fact that you can only uh, do a pass through crit on, on a torso location. um, It it just made a lot of people 
confused why it couldn't be all over. And so a lot of people are like, let's just, let's just do it this way. And it became so popular that everyone's like, let's just make that an option. So it doesn't really fix anything, but it does make it more realistic in quotes on, in, on some way or another. But, um, but I agree that it should have been an optional rule. I don't think that it should have been changed officially to, to, uh, all, all tax are floating crits. So I do like the, the fact that it is, that it is an optional rule. Do you like how optional rules are treated? Uh, I mean, I, I do. I think they're, they're fine, uh, the way they are. Um, I, I guess maybe I don't understand with, with, what you mean by how they're treated. Um, I, I like how, I guess I, the, I like how they're presented in the book. Um, I like that, uh, that on page, uh, what 147 of the battle mech manual, you've got the battlefield tracking sheet that has the optional rules checklist. So at the beginning of a game, if there's any question, you can actually go through all of the optional rules in the book and ask your opponent, are we playing with this turned on or off? So it's like the, the settings in a video game where you just go through and start checking the ones that, that, uh, that you want to play with or not. So I like how accessible and easy it is because they have the page numbers for them listed right there. Um, but I also think that, that some of them probably shouldn't be optional and some of them I will probably never, ever, ever, ever use ever. Some of them I would optional back to the original rule if given the chance. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, I guess my thing is like, there is a whole book, which is what I like to call house rules canonized. Oh, you're talking about the tactical operations book, aren't you? Yes, which is where oh. most of these originally lived, I should say. The tactical operations book is just the place where 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 optional rules are born every single thing in that book is an optional rule so that is the optional rules book uh and then the optional optional rules level two is strategic operations like that's the are you sure question mark question mark question mark rules you're doing a campaign you're doing mega mech you are doing some weird rpg level thing where the rule book just doesn't cover all the scenarios you want to do Right. You want to go deeper. Yeah. So I want to turn my medium lasers damage down to like one to like just tickle something. But why? <laughs> somebody, somebody somewhere wanted to. I don't know. Oh, yeah, you mean like, like the ability to the ability to tune your medium laser? Yes. Uh, to, yeah. So make it make it basically down to as low as a laser pointer or overcharge that sucker and risk breaking it whenever you fire it. But it puts out a little bit more juice. Yeah. Yeah. We got rules for that. <laughs> it's probably got a table, too. I don't know. Oh, everything <laughs> has a table, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I wanted to separate this into my three favorite ways which is the good the bad but the bad was a little too harsh we're gonna go with the good the okay and then the ugly and that's yeah and looking at looking at where you put yours on this piece of paper we're gonna have some discussions because i do not agree with some of them oh totally but that's good yeah battletech would be boring if everyone agreed with the way josh (laughs) wanted to play I was going to say, again, um, we are not going to cover every single optional rule because that would be boring. You guys can read, go get a book and, and read through it and you can see what they all are. These are just the ones that uh, that mean the most to you and I, Josh, to you and me. 
I was going to make a joke that like, I don't know if our listeners can read, but then I realized we're an audio only <laughs> format, so they don't really have to read. Yeah. So you want to start with uh, with the good? Because yeah, that's, that's one we probably agree on most of those. Let's start with all reliable, floating critical hits. See, already, already we are at a disagreement. Yeah, I know. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But I put it in with the note, our bread and butter. The floating crit is mentioned at almost every game. Because that is, because like you said, some people love it. Some people hate it. I, I am fine with it. But my, my inclination is to not go with it. But I understand that a lot of people like it. And I'm okay with playing it if 100% of the people at the table are okay with it. If even one person is like, I, I don't know, I'm like, that's fine. It's off the table. We're not playing yeah. with that. I will be the first one to just knock it right out there because eh, I, I don't Take know. There's it. something about it. Yeah. There's <laughs> something about it that just, that just feels a little bit off to me. Um, probably because the first game I ever used it in somebody, uh, rolled the head and it critted an ammo bin that I had in that head. Um, and that, that felt bad and that, that felt bad so much so that it is that the shock waves I'm still feeling to this day. I just, I still put ammo in the torso in like CT. And I'm like, that's the most armored location. Oh so yeah. Just, but, but I just find it, it hilarious. Armored. Someone, yeah. Someone was like, no, the safest place is in the cockpit. Cause there's it only is, one in 36 chance in, of hitting it. Yeah, exactly. In 3025 tech type stuff, ammo in the head is actually pretty legitimate. It may not be the most armored, but you're not going to hit it as often. So, and, and if you're penetrating the head, like it's just going to be bad for you. You know, 50% of, of the rolls in there are just death for you. So, you know, what's, <laughs> what's a little more? more death? Yeah. But no. So, yeah, I, I just, I find that hilarious. It's like, yeah, he had that one slot, he could have put, you know, extra air conditioning, you know, more life support, better sensors. Now he's stuck a ton of AC5 ammo. Yep. Yep. <laughs> 20 rounds, 100 points of damage I'm sitting <laughs> on. Yeah. But no, I, I, I agree that this is not always amazing like this is not perfect this is not mandatory we did not use this for the triangle classic tournament no we and did there, not and there are reasons it can slow the game down because if you you know shoot an lb20 multiple oh, yeah. times you're gonna get a crit and you're gonna roll and you're gonna float it and it's gonna hit something like a hip and you have to fully stop you have to recalculate movement you have to to a PSR, all that PSRs are now harder. It's it's like at that point, you might as well just hit the gyro, which everyone knows is just plus three. Right. Yep. You hit the engine, so, you know, you're just plus, just plus, just plus five heat. Blech. Yeah. So, th- so it's yeah. like, do you need to hit my shoulder and just make, you know, all the weapons on that arm harder to plus hit? Plus four plus four it's not needed like like <laughs> not all of the things that happen to a mech are better by floating yeah it just can slow like I, the game down or drag yeah. it out which is good for campaigns yes yeah it is and that's where we use uh, it the most I think. but in campaigns i also give all the players an edge point so so there take that so they can re-roll when you turn one your supercharger 
I just I find it funny that it was like, all right, lower six is a uh, supercharger, lower five is the SRM ammo bin. <laughs> I know. Uh, I was like, been people funnier. roll six six more times than they roll six five. In my opinion, I rolled a lot of six six that game too, <laughs> a lot. Don't put ammo in the bottom. Put it in the next <laughs> shelf. Yeah. All right, so yeah, floating crits, I'm take it or leave it. Um, you like it more than I do. But yeah, it is definitely on the bread and butter list because it is it is a polarizing one. A lot of people a lot of people really like it. Definitely polarizing. All right. I'm okay Next. with playing with it. I am. Yeah. But it not by that's not my first choice. You have to recognize what it brings and what it takes away. Right. All right. Some other ones that are always being used um flamers flamers do heat and damage i do not know why that's just not how they work uh flamers i think without that rule are just inefficient i don't like them i would never take them without this optional rule being turned on i agree that this is just how like if they had the chance they should just rewrite it damage and heat yep and everyone takes three heat to fire it and then it does two heat or two damage um, In fact, I would probably go and like, hey, can we just rewrite the flamer rule entirely? Like, it currently yeah. does nothing against vehicles, nothing against protomax, nothing against battle armor. Like, it is, it has been outclassed as soon as you left intro tech. Right. Like the the only thing it's good at is is infantry, like unarmored, just conventional <laughs> infantry, infantry. And in 3025 tech where everybody's got single heat sinks, if you have enough of them, you might be able to make the opponent a little bit slower like that's it you just mess up their math by one or two yeah it's not enough so yeah so i i think this one can be really be agreed on like if you're if you ever like told someone's like no i don't want to play with enhanced flamers i'm like bro (laughs) you think you even gonna get flavored (laughs) like like we're getting fire starters in like a couple months no one's scared yeah yeah like okay Ooh! Wow! You, what are you gonna do? Tickle me with a machine gun too? Oh man, you're gonna rapid fire those machine guns at me. <laughs> rapid fire machine guns are vicious. That's also an optional rule. We'll get That's into that also later. An optional. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I'm like, no, no, enhanced flamers. Nope, nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turn that one on. Just all the time. Oh, Default God. on. The only way I could see it is like if you do play like much lower BV and with infantry and stuff like, okay, locust fire starters, commandos, stuff like that. But, but like, if you're firing against, against infantry, you're, you don't care about it doing damage anyway. You're just hitting them with a flamer. Like you don't, you're, it's not damage or flame. Like, like, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's specifically but, but like an anti infantry weapon. The other mech, like, okay, you guys, like the biggest weapon might be like five damage. Mm-hmm. on the with table the like auto the, cannon <laughs> with the auto cannon like that that might be it so like yeah all right but but i'm really stretching the strong arm here of yeah like, <laughs> it's not it's not worth it it's not all right what else what's next we got um i know that we've talked about this a lot especially with one of us being a hardcore like comstar word of blake player and that's eccm which we talked about right. in depth on the ECM tinfoil episode. <laughs> right. Um, th- that is one that uh, I did not realize was an optional rule for a long time when playing Battletech. I thought that was just a thing. And so I was surprised when when somebody's like, you can't do that because we're not playing with optional rules. I'm like, that's not an optional rule. 
ECCM is absolutely an optional rule. So, so check before you play. And, and ECCM is just allowing you to take your own ECM and, and convert it to electronic countermeasure modes for, for countering uh, an ECM that's like countering your C3 network, stuff like that. Yeah, this this is essentially the, hey, we could have a feel-bad experience if I completely just out-networked you and like have guys on a hill 21 hexes away and they can shoot at short range. Like, mm-hmm. like you have one ECCM, one Guardian, one cheap ECM, and now you can kind of like play on the same level and they have to actually it- work harder. It, it makes C3, a C3 network go from totally useless to slightly more viable. Yeah. Like I would actually feel, I would not field a C3 network if I did not have ECCM capability. Just, I just wouldn't do it. There's no point. Yeah. Cause then it's like, okay, well, I, I counter your trap card. You, you yeah. counter my trap cards. Like at least we're like having a little meta game there. We're having to move exactly. mechs with ECMs to fight those mechs and put bubbles over bubbles. Sure, it slows the game down, yeah. but other otherwise, otherwise, literally, there's no point in C3. It just is not because one one ECM covers so much ground. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this. Go back, go back to that episode. <laughs> it's uh, and, and you'll know my my reasoning. I did not realize that this was a, a a an optional rule, so I don't think it should be. I think this should just be how it works by default. That's my opinion. I mean. It's it's low brain power enough that it's default in like mechware online. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and sure, it's easier on Mega Mech where they actually color everybody's uh, ECM bubbles different colors, so so you can see the whole Venn diagrams more easily. Um, the games that I played on the tabletop, yeah, it slows it down a little bit, but not. It's it's not a game breaking amount. It's no. pretty easy to figure out to to go pretty quickly. So so I, I like that one a lot. All right, we got Careful Stand. You you are not a fan of Careful Stand. I am not, and that's just because I don't like it when mechs that should be down and like on a 50-50, like, hey, if you get up, you could fall again, and then you might get up. Like, you're going to have to take a couple hits before you get up reliably into the, oh, well, I'm just going to get up now. I, it's only it's only a minus two to the roll, and I roll so poorly so many times while trying to stand up. I think that the downside to it, the fact that that uh, you cannot leave that hex once you stand up, so it limits all your options to just standing up. I think that is a a good enough trade off because if you want to move, if you want to move out of that hex and get to a, and get to the woods over there, you have to regular stand. And, and there's stipulations; you have to have at least three three movement points. So if you're, if you're missing a leg, you can't, you can't use careful stand to bring that number down at all. If, if you've got a hip damaged and, and your walking is a two, so you're two, three, you can't use it then. So there, there are ways that if you, that if you deserve to be on the ground, you're going to stay on the ground. I, I like careful stand. I'm not going to say that it should always be on, but, um, but I like using it. So uh, for me, it's a, for me, it's a good one. I think, I think the one reason why I have like a big problem with it is I went like years without anyone telling me about it. And I just had to suffer through mechs <laughs> falling and falling and falling from like a foot actuator or not even Especially. like a, like a yeah, not even like a gyro, like a gyro out maybe, but not, not regularly. Especially because you, you tend to pilot four or five mechs. 
Yeah. Uh, and when you've got a five piloting and, and you're not using careful stand, you know, it's not a 50, 50, it's, it's <laughs> a, you know, 60% and above chance. You're going to fall back down on your face. When you get up, you're running. Cause you need, you're going to fall two out of this <laughs> three times. And then by then you're just going to have the movement to stand up. You're not moving anyways. Yep. So I'm yeah. just taking, I'm putting more pilot hits on me. And I feel like that's probably why it's like, I want more pilot hits to be self-inflicted. It's the only way you're really going to get to six pilot hits um, by the end of the game. Yeah. Because if you're just doing head hits with, with, uh, with damage, you're going to run out of armor and internals <laughs> before you're going to get that six, that sixth hit. But I think for newer players, it's fine because you don't want all players. It's fine. <laughs> you don't want them to be like, all right, well, I took a gyro tack hit through over crit my gyro what happens now well you fall down little timmy and, <laughs> and yes stay yeah, there plus three forever yeah it's like but i'm a four or five pilot it's like ooh, should have upgraded that <laughs> pilot yeah. skill. no i like careful stand i play with it more often than than i don't here's one that we don't use very often but i <laughs> but we should but we should <laughs> like i would we agree should. um <laughs> So many mechs come with active probes. Yeah, some sort of probe. So many mechs have them. And you're like, well, great. What do I do with this? Nothing. Nothing. But but, but I've got it. It's got to do something. I'm like, sure. But no, like it, it really doesn't. Oh, do we have hidden mechs? You know, <laughs> maybe you can spot one for a little from a little further away. But uh, we, we talked about this on that active probe episode. And it's like the hidden mechs. I was like, yeah if I could do hidden mechs more effectively on the tabletop, like not in mega mech, but on the tabletop, we would bring active probes, but it's right, like the, right now. Yeah. It's like, like the oh, only oh, thing oh, that oh, oh, you're in my hex, you're within range now. Like <laughs> it pops up and you stop moving. It's like, that's just not feasible. That's not how a tabletop game works. It's so bad that, that when you do um, like mission based games, um, they, they have to come up with something. They're like, oh, well, you have to scan this building and you can't move or fire while you scan it unless you have an active probe because there's a lot of mechs with them and we have to make those guys, you know, not waste that that tonnage. So they've got to be good for something. So we might as well make like completing this objective a little bit easier because your mech happens to have that one piece of equipment. I hate that so, so much. Yeah. Um, so we get into the option rules. There's a couple of them for active probes. Um, the the main one in the battle mech manual is target. It's just targeting, targeting with an active probe. All it means is that if uh, a target is in range of your active probe, you get to you get to ignore one woods uh, modifier for for targeting purposes. So if it's in heavy woods, you treat it as if it's in light woods, or if there's an intervening woods, you can ignore that. So um, you know it it helps you keep a, a target lock on him when, yeah. when there's other, when there's other stuff in the way. And you still have to be pretty close. Like it's still the beagles or probe yeah, like four range. to six, four to six hexes. Yeah. yeah. You're in brawling range anyways. It, it gives it something that, that it can do. So I, I like that. I like that a lot. Everyone loves that black knight with a probe getting in brawling range. Yeah. But if you can't quite kick it, at least you can shoot it and, uh, and ignore those trees that it's in. Um, there, there is other, other active probe, like, like active probes are useful with some of the other optional rules that we have. So we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, the probes is when I definitely feel like, Hey, we didn't have time to like fully think about what this equipment would do. 
Yeah, but now we do. Books talk about probes all the time, so we have to put them on the mechs. Now, what do they do? I don't know. We, we ran out of time. They're magic. Whatever happens, they scan the <laughs> mech. You play a blind game. Like, you can't look at my sheets. I can't look at yours. Oh, you've got a probe. All right. Well, you're in range. Now you can see what's happening on this target. I played a double blind game on Mega Mech not too long ago. I had only ever played double blind on tabletop. And just it's it's magical. I I am a huge fan of playing double blind on Mega Mech now. It was it was one of the most fun games ever. Huh. But not on tabletop. Tabletop it's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> you need three you need three identical map sheets and a GM to be able to pull it off. It's it's just not good. We'll do that for Solaris. Yeah, <laughs> something small like that. Something, something small, small like that for like a tournament type thing. It would be it would be fun. It just takes forever. I mean, it is. Yeah, we'll get into not this not this episode. That's not what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those are ones that I consider our bread and butter. Like those are ones you can probably reliably use and no one's going to have too much of an issue with it. Do you have any ones to add to the bread and butter section? Uh, I mean, yeah, but you're not going to like it. I mean, that's okay. I don't like a lot of things. Yeah. Force withdrawal is a is an optional rule. <laughs> uh, I I understand what uh, what force withdrawal is is trying to do and I am familiar enough with it that it doesn't take me any like extra brain power and especially in a campaign game. Um I love saying all you have to do is get my is get the up four mechs into force withdrawal to to be able to get salvage on them. So it's just it's just an easier way to to make a game not take forever. Like I'm not fighting to the death, and now I have I have documented guidelines on oh when are my guys going to going to surrender or pull back? It's this. If it reaches any of these, that's when that's when that 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 ticker clicks over. So I do like the force withdrawal, and I, I think it should be more of a default than a, than an optional rule. I've waxed po- poetic on Force Withdrawal too much. It just needs to be rewritten for me to enjoy it more. Just a little bit better. It needs a revision. Yeah. I'm okay but with I, it. I do like it. But okay, I, as long as you're okay with it, because it makes sense to me. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Yes, from a, in lore and in-game perspective, it's like, hey, this infantry squad has lost 99% of its units. That one man has perfect morale. It's, no, that's not how the game the Battletech simulation world should work. I accepted that. Uh, anything else? Um, not, not that it has to like, not the, the bread and butter ones. The, the, <laughs> the, the next section I've, I've got a lot that I think should go in there for sure. I feel like the majority will fall into the, the okay section. It's like, right. These are ones you try. These are ones you play with once or twice. These are not ones that you use at the table consistently just expecting to go into and i think a lot of them that are in the next section are going to be ones not not so much that i don't think that they should be used it's that i'm not familiar with them because either i didn't know they were optional rules or or i just i just had never heard of them before so uh so they're like the unknowns um but yeah the ones just aren't used very often unless you play a lot of mega mech specific things where you just click the box and the math happens automatically well let's get into it because the the first one the first one you've got on the list um is is one of those like why not 
I've actually used this one because I was like, I'm in. When the scenario comes up and you're playing on the table, and it's like, man, I'd really love to use this. And they're like, there's an option. Where I'm like, you mind if I use this? And that would be the AMS expanded rules, which is you have, first off, there's it's really two parts to the AMS thing. The one is you can destroy the entire flight of missiles, which is you can't in regular rules. Right. But but why not? Like, if you roll badly enough on your cluster and they've got AMS, why shouldn't it do zero damage? Because it does if you're firing a thunderbolt. <laughs> it can Never. take a thunderbolt out and you don't you don't get any damage done by your, that. Your Honor, my client is clearly insane. He is using the <laughs> Thunderbolt 5 defense. <laughs> They go all the way up to 20. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I I can appreciate both. It's really bad feeling to like, hey, I only could fire two missiles max and you've shot down the whole flight or something. like. Something yeah, well, like you know, I've got well, AMS. I, I paid for it. I it paid for it. It should do something. Yeah. I took the heat. I used the ammo. I've got the cook-off ability in my baby yeah Yeah. so i'm like that one's fine like we just don't do it because it's like extra brain power like it's just easy to say like oh minus four okay it's because i i I forgot it was it was an optional rule like i just it's way down on the it's the very very bottom of the optional rules checklist so by the time you get there everyone's eyes are glazed over anyway because there's a lot of optional rules on that page like a lot a lot um so so yeah that's yeah i just forget about it that's the defensive part. There's the other half, the offensive AMS expanded rule, which is That's congratulations, true. you have a one range machine gun. Hey, I mean, you're not shooting missiles at me. I got all this ammo. I might as well try and use it. Exactly. You're I was in my like, face. I'm firing everything, and that means everything. <laughs> it's a gun, isn't it? Does it not shoot? So here's the funny thing. If you if you are not using it like a machine gun, it doesn't count as a weapon when you use it. So you could technically punch with an arm that has AMS, mm-hmm. even if AMS is shot, because it's not a weapon. I mean, you, you watch The Expanse, right? No. Like a PDC. Oh, okay. A PDC is a personal defense cannon. It just, it just shoots down missiles. They use that offensively a lot when missiles are not being shot at them. Oh, of course. You, know, you should be able to take a gun and shoot it. Look. Our pilots would open up the cockpit and <laughs> drive by with their last pistols if they could. Drive closer so I can blow up the mech with my sword. His armor's open and I got a grenade launcher. Hold up. <laughs> it's range two people. He can do it. Yeah. But yeah, so that's like, I'm, I'm okay with it. But I'm just, yep. just okay with it. I, I, it's fine. I would I would absolutely allow it if someone's like, "Hey, can we can we use these optional rules for it?" I'm like, "Sure." You know, it's that that's one that makes sense enough sense to me. I wouldn't remember to mention it myself, but if someone else knows about it, yeah, I would absolutely allow it at my table every time. I remember that game. I I think two turns later, the AMS ammo blew up, so you know it didn't didn't really matter. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one I have under the OK section is the vehicle optional rules, which is are, are you talking about like the BSP stuff? No, I'm talking about like expanded vehicle combat rules in TAC Ops. The oh, the, the crit table has changed. The oh, right, yeah, it has. 
Uh, I thought that was just I, I thought that was just a uh, you know, retconned in. I thought that was the rules now. Um, I need to I need to look up the errata for for Total Warfare and see. So it didn't make it into Total Warfare. That's not just as not as far as I'm aware. These are optional. Um, okay. Like, well, I came unprepared because I thought those were just the new rules. If Oops. they are, I'll we'll find out and we'll cut this section out. No, actually, we leave it in and just know that sometimes we don't know things. That's true. Gasp. I just remember after that vehicle-only game I played that I then looked mm-hmm. these up and I was like, oh, okay, this is different. Because even, like, the critical hit table was different. But, yeah, so, like, one big thing is, like, yeah, the critical table's different. Like, the most likely one is now gone. They've reduced the motive type mod by one. So, like... Your hovercraft they, they or not. survive longer. Yeah, like vehicles stay around longer now. These are rules that you would use if you were playing a more vehicle-based game. Right. If you play a lot of vehicles, I highly recommend you try these out and see which one you like better and then uh, you know agree with your opponent. Yeah. Um, but on that same level, because I mentioned the BSP, BSP vehicles are also optional rules. Um, and as always, campaign-wise... I say yes, definitely. But if I'm doing vehicles in like a uh, a pickup game, um, maybe not. Because uh, even though they're fantastic for keeping a campaign going, if I am using a Savannah Master on in a pickup game for some reason, I, I would like it to be able to do all the stuff a vehicle can. And BSPs are much, much more limiting. So so yeah, it depends is, on the game I'm playing. What does the Savannah Master do in BSP card mode? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little tiny light vehicle that that just it's like every other vehicle it's just got like a, a higher move speed but it's it dies fast really fast <laughs> the question is is it worth the paper it's record sheet it's printed on yeah i don't know i don't know i'm gonna have know. to play with it i don't think find so. out all right uh here's one you're probably more familiar with denim expanded heat scale <laughs> I knew but that would get a laugh out of you. Don't have coolant pods, so how would I know? Oh. Uh, it, there, <laughs> I have I have used the expanded heat scale, um, and and it's it's just more numbers on the page. I once it gets to thirty, I don't care. Like my mech is shut down, it may or may not explode. That's as far as I need to go. That's what I've decided. Um, this, this is not one of those optional rules that, that, uh, that I have thought twice about since I played with them. Um, the regular 30 heat scale is fine for me. Uh, mega mech, there's some mega mech games that I, I may do it, but, but as far as just on the table, 30 is fine. The, yeah, the only justification I could see for this is when you're playing with mechs that go up, like how can do 30 more heat in one right. shooting phase, like they are completely weapon with no heat sinks like black lights yeah. aren't even hot enough kind of thing no that nova. exterminator is exterminators nova's firing two arms arms two arms yeah i fire both arms okay yeah. well you do you nova blam what You're is slag. The, the sleepy warhawks or something from MechWarrior online where it's just all your ppcs like those things and if yeah. your opponent is also have that same style mech it's like okay then we can start getting to all right, pilot skill-based roles to avoid shutdown. Neither of us have ammo, so it's just our mechs are 
grinding down to a halt as we melt into the ground. Right. But because of that, because it's so, it, it it's so, um, situational based, um, like, like you're going into a game with the knowledge that you want to use that optional rule. So it's not like a, a catch all, you know, should we have this on or off for this game? It, it's only, you know, 99% of the time, you'll never use that optional rule. So you're only going to turn it on for very specific games that you have designed a Lance that's going to take advantage of that. So yeah. in that case, I'm like, I'm, I'm very eh about the rule. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So. Yeah. Like I, not that I wouldn't use it, but I would only use it in very specific situations. Very you gotta specific. You got to tell me a week ahead of time. That exactly. We're doing a yeah. I want some hot game. I want some prep for that. Here's a, lower grade one which funny enough is like at adepticon the, the btcc games are using this and this i, is I have been seeing it more and more uh over the past probably three years i i've been seeing it more and more i remember it was in effect for my mrc tournament games the last year mm-hmm. so yeah like this is this is one that i've seen creeping in this is new to the field and this is backwards movement up backwards movement with level change how about that right so you're either going up or down uh walking backwards which normally you can't do and with this optional which is in the battle mech manual you can you can only make one movement change you can't you can't or level change you can't make two level changes and you have to do a psr and if you fail you end up in whichever hex is lower so you either slide downhill i mean you always (laughs) slide downhill you never slide uphill whether it's the hex you started from that'd be pretty cool if you could slide uphill I've been seeing a lot more people asking about it and using it. I don't know if it's because people are actually starting to read the battle mech manual now. And they're like, Oh, you can do that. I, I think so, they want so actually like it's on the list of rules, like the simple, simplish rules. Yeah. In, in and because of that, I don't mind. I don't mind people doing that. Um, I've never said no to anyone who asked if they could, if they could have that, rule as an optional rule and it's another one where the only reason why it's not on the bread and butter one is because it doesn't come up that often um so because i I teach a lot of beginner games in a beginner game i'm not going to tell them i'm not going to tell them they can do that um but anybody who's played more than three times sure let's let's turn that one on my thought on this is this is not something that comes up the first time you want to backwards move up a hill (laughs) <laughs> this is something like hey before anyone moves you have to mention hey do you want to play with backwards movement right because your opponent needs to also be able to like again this is why that checklist uh, exists because mm-hmm. you really do want to go over optional optional rules before the game starts so that so that uh you're not like oh this would be really handy if i could do this so i'm gonna ask right now if we can do that yeah Um, yeah because things like floating crits that can question can be brought up when the floating crit happens it could never happen (laughs) you might go the whole game and be like your opponent's saying no and you're saying yes and it never comes up on if it even applies but this one definitely you don't need it if you're not playing c3 these are things that don't come up until they do until they do backwards movement is changing the way movement works (laughs) (laughs) by a lot yeah by a lot so that's why it's in the okay let's talk about this first yes definitely that one comes up first 
uh, and things like that. So sprinting, sprinting should also be be plugged right in, into that one. Are you going to be using sprinting because you go you go faster, but but you can't shoot? Also, something you should discuss before the game starts, and not when someone's looking at it, going, "Oh, can I sprint to get to this spot?" And then they would just be like, "That is not beneficial to me." So no. Yeah. We already playing on small maps. You you bring out the BFM, then we can yeah, the sprint. BFM sprinting on that one hundred percent. But it's all fun and games till so someone sprints the dasher with battle armor riding, and no one's having fun anymore. Yeah. All right. I think the last one I have in the OK section is the tac ops taking damage and defensive physical weight modifier. These are two, but I feel like they're kind of half of the yeah. same coin. Yeah, because I had the first half of it on my list, but I didn't think about the second half. So and then you were like, oh, yeah. yeah. That. yeah. Like, eh, All right. So kind of fits in. <laughs> it kind of fits. Yeah. Uh, the tac ops taking damage. This is for every once you hit take 20 points of damage, you have to take a PSR. If you take PSR 40, plus one, yep. PSR plus one. If you take yep. 40 points of damage total, now you have to take a plus two. 60 right. points plus three, 80 points plus four, and so on and so on. So it keeps the damage inflation throughout the eras in check. Kinda. Kinda. Yeah. Like if if you're gonna if you're gonna do a lot of damage to someone, it, it makes sense like in a physics way. Like the more damage you take better chance you have of being knocked off your feet um i remember when i first heard about this this optional rule i'm like oh that makes a lot of sense and it's one of those that a lot of people don't realize is an optional rule they think that that's just how it works because they read 20 points psr plus one and they read that as every 20 points is a plus one like an additional plus one but again it should be it should be cleared with everyone before you start the game i like this one i i like i like that part the the uh the every 20 is another plus one on top of it because I, I like watching mechs explode. So if I'm taking a lot of damage, it makes sense that my guy gets, gets knocked on his butt. I, I don't like it. watching mechs fall down. I love watching them fall down. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, eh, I don't, it's okay. But I also like watching them get up, which is why careful stand is okay. To me. <laughs> me and Denim approach the getting down. I get knocked down and I get up again completely differently. Yeah. Oh, we're tub thumping up in here today. So anyway, the other half of that coin is the defensive physical weight modifier, aka the assaults have a minus two to that. <laughs> yeah, because they're heavier, so it's going to be harder to knock them down. Um, and math. I get that. I, I do get that, but that's that's way more math. And it's it's uh, Battletech is an abstract game. It just is. Um, I know it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but it really is an abstraction. So when you're getting into things like that, sure, it makes more sense. And if you guys know what you're doing and you already have all the math pre-calculated, sure, like, like do that. But for most of the games that I play, people are not that prepared. And I just want, I want to be able to finish my game in the time slot that I've got. So let's, let's not do that part. Yeah. You would need like a little like quick calculator, like almost like an abacus right next to you. Like, all right, I've taken... 41 damage and let's subtract my tonnage here and then piloted skill and the total is all right i need to five up which would be the normal roughly i would i would turn that on on in uh, mega mech in a heartbeat like absolutely a lot of these are mega mech only for me absolutely i do that i've played with both of these i did not love them just because like okay my mech that can take more damage is now falling because it's slower 
of course. It's not yep. an assault, but it has all the armor, and you've just spread all the damage around. So rather than just like, oh, next turn I'm going to get crits, it's like, no, this turn you're just falling down. I was like, is this speeding up the game? No. No, no, no. It's definitely not speeding up the game. No. But it adds a little tiny bit more, and I'm doing this in quotes so everyone can hear me, realism to this abstract game. Don't don't bring realism into my tabletop <laughs> know, right? imaginary war I game. I know, it's so scary. <laughs> Sir, I make pew pew noises and stompy robot mo- noises at the table. I don't need realism here. So yeah, so this is where you said you would put most of your optional rules. I, I would. So so things that, that are not on your list that I would put in there. Things like, like one-armed prone fire. Did you know that you cannot, if you've only got one arm, you can't prop yourself up to fire, even though if you've got two arms you're still propping yourself up with one arm and you're firing with the other arm. Um, you could always fire your torso weapons. So why can't you prop it up when you've only got one arm? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Um, this is one of those, so I guess really that, that, that I, goes I on, the next on this. List. I, I rely like, on this <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's, like, it's, it's weird to me that that's, that that's not it, it yeah it's weird to me that that is an optional rule because i don't understand why you can't prop yourself up with just one arm by default i don't get that that rapid fire machine guns that would be in this in this section i agree yeah are you ready to talk about the ugly yeah there are some there are some that are really ugly for <laughs> sure i put stack pulling slash also known as engine destruction that's right. Stack point is the rule. Indus destruction is is the uh, yeah. You put it with self destruction and stack polling is one thing. Blowing your own mech up is an entirely different. That that one hundred percent is RPG only. I do not want people to be able to do that intentionally uh, on just a normal pickup game. I don't want that. Look at all. So yes, that's how the end of Isle of Blessed is. Is the one person self destructs their mech. They get some radiation burns, don't die, but the mech they just tackled does die. And I was like, well, that was the only unsatisfying part of this entire book. The only Anything one. that you read in in a novel is an I, RPG I, element. So I know. Absolutely. Like, like, <laughs> like, do that in your RPGs. Do not do that on, on the tabletop, please. I don't mind the engine exploding if it t- takes a lot of damage, like doing a stack pole on that. But I don't want a person to run in there and say, I take off the safeties and blow up my engine. Don't don't like that. I have don't a blue like trap. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. I the stack pole engine destruction is four engine hits in one turn, and then you have to roll a ten up. Yep. And I'm like, Yep. In thirty twenty five, pretty difficult. They don't have a lot of engine. Later text when you've got XLs and then XXLs, there's a lot of crits in there. Yep. Um, it doesn't happen often. At Hangar 18 last month, we did have that happen in one of our campaign games. Uh, and it was a big moment and a bunch of people cheered. It was one of the players' mechs, I think, that that got blown up. But uh, But a lot of people, I mean, it was exciting. It was exciting. It's a nice treat, but I wouldn't like it every day. That's the only one I've seen happen naturally in probably a decade. <laughs> and I've played a lot of Battletech, as we know from last episode. I remember it in one of my MRC Mega Mech games where I had my mm. battle armor like fighting a mech that I'm shooting at. And I hit it and I hit the engine because it's an XL. 
but yeah, on Mega Mech, I actually have seen it like probably maybe maximum of three times. I rolled a nine on the tabletop when I got it. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It's fine. It's still ugly. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with self-destruction. Engine, engines exploding. Take it or leave yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> I like explosions. I do. I put this next one here, and you know uh-huh. why. Oh, I know why. And what is it? I know why. Oh, it's ghost targeting. Uh, another fun thing to do if you've got ECM. What ghost targeting is, is that if you have ECM, you can configure it to to confuse the enemy's targeting sensors over you or, or one of your teammates that's close by, by, by scrambling their signature. So, um, you know, in, in, my, in my theater of the mind, it, when the enemy puts their crosshair over you, it, it kind of does the does the blurry thing. Um, it, it goes a little bit crazy. So, so they can't go to good targeting on it. Um, you can stack that too. So you can actually have multiple people ghost target you um, it, to get that, to get that up. And how you do it is you just make a gunnery skill plus three mm, might be piloting. I, I think, think it's piloting. Pi- I think it's piloting. Okay. Yeah. It's piloting plus three um, for some weird reason. And you roll that, and if it, if it happens, then you get to put the plus one on someone. It sounds super overpowered, and I was worried about it when we started using it in the campaign. But I wanted to make ECM more viable, and that was a good way to do it. And then I found out how easy it was to counter. ECM in range totally counters it. Angel ECM counters any number of them, because it only uses regular like Guardian ECM to, to do. If you have an active probe on your mech, it doesn't have to be in range of the active probe. Just you having the active probe ignores all ghost targeting. So there, there are a lot of ways to get around it. Uh, I don't mind it, but but I can see where a lot of people don't like it because it seems scarier than it is, especially if you're facing it and you weren't expecting to. I feel a little personal attack. But I mean, my thing is like, I, I don't like, oh, my this equipment makes me harder to hit on just a roll. Like stealth armor, I pay heat for, which makes me shoot less. Mm-hmm. You are physically trying to to make something happen and and counter the enemy. Like it's it's electronic warfare, um, and it's it's their abstract way of of handling that. Uh, is it more of an RPG element? Sure. Would I use it on regular tabletop games, pickup games? No. Will I allow it in my campaign? Absolutely, because it, it fits there. I don't like it. <laughs> But it is an optional rule. It's so an optional you can, rule. It's you can tell people I, no. The problem that I find is like ECM, like you go into the ECM is more for like streaks, lock-ons, and C3. And I use a lot of C3. So I'm like, no. They're, so I'm like, ECM doesn't need a bonus already. It already completely shuts down any C3. Yeah, but if you're using it to ghost target, you can't use it for any of those other things. So it's one or the other. I don't like it, but I accept it. <laughs> I definitely, but I wouldn't want that on like a pickup game at all. I'm like, no, that that's yeah, gonna I'm, be like months in advance. You got to submit yeah. your itinerary. Yeah, I, I had somebody come up to me who who is in the campaign and, and uses it a lot in the campaign, and they sat down uh, to play me at, on just on a pickup game, and they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna roll for ghost targeting. I'm like, oh no, no, that's optional rule. That is that is for campaign. That's not for not for here. But that's not the game we're playing right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next, 
kind of a leading off of our okay expanded crit hits and damage. Oh yeah, yeah. This is tack ops still. I'd say most of the ugly ones are tack ops. Like just yeah, I agree. Yep, agree with that. That's where the really dirty stuff is. Yeah, that, that gets yeah. Battle mech manual. I will say, like I'll just say it right now. Did a very good job of picking ones that aren't completely oppressive and are pretty enjoyable and pretty easy for the most. I will play with every single one of the battle mech manual ones. I just don't understand why anyone would want to do segmented fire. They say it's to speed up the game. I don't see that speeding up the game. So other than that, pick up games. I will allow any of the battle mech manual optional rules if that's what you want to play with. I'm down with it for sure. But yeah, tech ops, let's get into the ugly. (laughs) Yeah, we'll finish up this one. Then I want to hear about your segmented fire. Uh, But yeah, so expanded critical hits and damage. This is essentially AC20s get a plus three because they're 20 damage. Uh, Anything over 20 gets plus four to the crit roll. AC2s get plus zero. But the crit chart is different now. It's nine through 10 is one. 11 Mm -hmm. through 12 is two. 13 and 14 that's right you need the modifiers to get up there to get three and then a 15 is the three crit rolls or a limb blown off right yeah it's uh, more math more like it's where they're trying to cram more more realism into the abstracted game and again if you have played battletech for decades and you have every single table uh, uh memorized and you don't mind having you know some more realism ish stuff, go for it. But that's that's not a Tuesday night game at the gaming store type thing. We only have a couple hours to play. Let's let's not do that. Let's do that a weekend one at somebody's house. That then we can do that. Yeah. Because again, that's what we used to do back in the old days. Is is we used to say, okay, I'm going to come over to your house Friday afternoon, and I will leave Sunday after brunch. And we will just play Battletech. And yeah, we've got all the time in the world for, for these rules for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to play this one. I think it be, could be fun if you're, like you're running an all-assault lance against someone's all-assault lance, but that's really it. Right. And again, that that's fine. But I need, I don't, this isn't a, a like, like the, uh, under the okay list where, hey, <laughs> let's talk about this right before the game starts type of thing mm-hmm. this is a let's talk about this before we decide to play at all next week <laughs> type of thing we're just still in the so dating just, phase now <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so that that's a whole different thing all right you said the only thing you wouldn't do on battle McManuel is segmented. oh fire. right segmented fire. i will actually read read this one out because it's a weird like okay we know that the that the phase for shooting resolving fire mm-hmm. is uh officially like once you're done moving um you use the initiative phase to declare fire and then you then each person fires the weapons that they declared against their opponent and they roll for all the damage uh and they go on to the next mech so even though damage is simultaneous you still resolve it like one bit at a time so if you get an arm blown off or something you can you can still your opponent can still fire with that when it comes to his or her phase to fire back Segmented fire says, as seen in the process outlined at left, after all players have declared their attacks, uh, normally each player completely resolves the weapon attack phase actions of each mech one at a time from resolution to damage before moving on to the next mech. As an option to speed up play after all players (laughs) have made their attack declarations, 
All players may then make all two hit rolls for all attacks declared that phase before any damage by any mech is resolved. That just seems like I'm going to have to have a notepad there to write down which weapons hit before I need to resolve any any damage. It, it just seems like extra extra steps in my flowchart that happens in my brain. I don't see how that's speeding things up. I feel like I need like my my smooth brain. Just can't process it. Now I know to speed games up uh, at the store, um, a lot of times we will skip that whole fire declaration phase. Or, or or just abbreviate it, saying this mech is going to fire at that mech, but then you don't go over every single weapon that that happens. And we've had discussions about about uh, the pros and cons of that on on other episodes, of course. I, if I'm playing a serious game, I want all weapon declarations done. Like I I want you to be very specific about which weapons and what modes you're you're using. Uh, but for a for a friendly game, I I don't really care as much. Is this just fire for effect, kind of? I, I thought it was, and I was trying to read it in a way to find out if if it was fire for effect because that that would kind of make sense. If so, it's just worded a little bit weird to me. It's just worded in such a way that that trying to to parse what that paragraph means is already slowing the game down, like already. But if it's saying that it's fire for effect, sure, I'm I'm all for that. You know, using that as an optional rule if if that's what you want to do for a friendly game, not for a tournament game though. I don't want that for a tournament game. It sounds like it's just the fire for effect, the same concept, just different application. And fire for effect being the Adepticon last year, mechs declare shots as they are firing, essentially. Yeah, I don't know. It's I it's, don't know. My know. my brain my brain is just looking at it like a, a jumbled mess. I can't. I I'll have to talk to the person who wrote it, figure out uh, <laughs> if there's a better way to to phrase that. Who knows? Just just because it's confusing, I I wouldn't do that one. But if that just means it's the fire for effect rule that we've already been using, then I'm okay with that. We got uh, just two more. Uh, these are ones that I would never want to play with, which is glancing blows. <laughs> If you miss by one, you two have damage. You, it sounds yeah. simple. It sounds simple. Okay, here's the thing. The first time I learned about this optional rule, I was 100% in. I'm like, this is amazing. I pilot an adder. Uh, it will have better survivability. My urban mechs will last longer. This is amazing. And I played two, two games using the glancing <laughs> blows. Uh, very quickly, I'm like, this is just BS. I am not. Uh, you have to remember that you've got it. You have to be paying attention to every single roll that happens. And then you're always like, oh, 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 that last shot that you hit me. What was that? Did, was that, you know, did you hit by one? I don't remember. And then there's a whole argument and stuff. It it gets it gets crazy. And it also stacks with the quirks, like the quirk with low profile, low yeah. narrow profile. Yeah. And if you're stacking it with that, then it's a quarter damage. And it's just and then you put like hardened armor on that mech. It's it's one of those things that I will allow my players and campaigns to take just because they're supposed to be the heroes. They're supposed to be overpowered. This is a no, a hard no for me in, in a pickup game. Um, and absolutely not in a tournament. Uh, I I am not a fan of this optional rule outside of campaign or role playing purposes. I could see this in Solaris being okay. That'd be great, great in Solaris. One yes. mech, one mech versus one mech. Yep. 
and you're getting more shots. Still annoying. Still annoying. Still annoying. But it's like, hey, I'm hitting you on eights and like, oh, all your sevens are half damaged. It's like, okay, but, but I can fair, remember that. Yeah. To be fair, I allow more options in Solaris than I do even in my campaigns. There's stuff I won't allow in my campaigns that for <laughs> Solaris, I'm like, bring it. There's almost a reason why Solaris has its own separate rule book. <laughs> I know. I can't wait if they do a, a, a new, like a new box set for Solaris someday. I'm so excited. I looked this up because I was like, what is the worst? What is the absolute worst tack ops rule that people have actually played with on the table and refused to play with it ever again? And what I found was the majority of that was really woods cover. See, you and I disagree on this. After we do this, I will tell you what my worst one is. But go this for was, it. This was me scouring the internet for what people, yep. random people on the internet who may or not, may not be real, said. And they said... <laughs> If a unit is in woods, instead of giving, like, a light woods gives plus one to hit it, instead you get plus zero, and that woods takes all the fire until that woods is destroyed. It is essentially yep, using trees to block. Yeah. And I'm like, trees to that's block. dumb. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I understand the concept of it. I do, um, the the amount of time it's going to take to t- keep track of every single woods hex because then you have to write down like all the woods hexes and how much damage they take okay. sure mega mech it might be okay i i i agree with you i agree that i would never ever 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 use this one ever with the exception of mega mech i would i would allow people to try it on a mega mech but uh, for tabletop absolutely not nope try it don't yeah but try it i wouldn't i wouldn't do it mine for for that one though my response to that is advanced smoke and fire rules which are an optional rule once once you're on the tabletop and you have to roll for every single hex of fire and smoke and that that gets really really bad even in megabeck even in megabeck if you turn that on once a fire is started everything's on fire just everything's on fire it's megabeck or tabletop I don't like it. Absolutely never on tabletop will will I do advanced smoke and fire. Never. There's one forest and he refuses to give it advanced <laughs> smoke and fire. Yeah, because at both of those, woods cover and smoke and fire just are just gonna bring your game down to a crawl. Some optional rules should just stay optional. Should stay no. Yeah. What I think they need to do, I think they should have like a charts for like here's a positive, here's a neutral, and here's a negative. Like today we're playing with and you roll like a d10 or d20 it's like today you're playing with careful stand and then you roll the next one it's like with expanded heat scale and the last <laughs> one is ooh, but you're playing with glancing blows it's like oh no well like ejection it, ejection is an optional rule and it means that anytime you take an ammo explosion or anything treated as an ammo explosion if your auto eject is on you eject and by default it's on Mm-hmm. So whether you've got case or not, because now that we've got case and case two and 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 things like that, um, your pilot can definitely survive. Your mech can survive. But if you forgot to turn your auto eject system off as soon as that ammo gets critted, that mech is out of the game. Uh, and, and so, you know, that one can bite you a bit. Um, 
So it's also one that should be talked about, but nobody ever does. Like everybody just just assumes that that if they have an ejection system, it's turned off. And if you mention it to someone in the middle of the game when they get hit, they they laugh as if you're joking. So so ejection ejection rules should be talked about. Um, we'll, we'll save ejection for its own episode. Because <laughs> yeah, there's actually a lot of rules about ejection and if your pilot survives or not. So I guess it, it really only matters if you are playing something persistent, something where the life of the of the pilot matters uh, in the long run, like from battle to battle. It matters to me. Well, yeah, it does my, to my a lot of head people. Cannon, just my yeah in-game lore of my random band of random mechs that show up on Tuesdays and play. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that pilot of that mech died 12 times. What? That doesn't make <laughs> sense. Never ejected. Took it to the face every time. Every time. So yeah, if you haven't played with optional rules, try try them. Um, there are a lot of really good ones out there and some not so good ones that you should try anyway just once. If you had to pick one, one optional rule that you would play with. Like one optional rule that, that would not be optional? Yes. Or, or if we just had one on, period. Oh. Uh, God, it would probably be... See, it wouldn't be the, the, the flamer one because I don't use enough flamers. <laughs> You're um, like, even if you gave that to me. Probably the, the one arm prone fire because I find myself on the ground with just one arm a lot. And I don't understand why that's not just how it works anyway. You stay on the ground. I don't. You don't yeah. deserve to fire. No, no. <laughs> if I if I had to only pick one, it would be the retractable blade optional rule where you could punch with it retracted, and and it goes chunk and gets a, an automatic crit chance hit if you punch someone. I thought like that was a, you punch it. I thought that was just how it worked, and I was so sad when I learned yeah. that was optional. I no, was like, it's an optional rule, but it's it's in the battle mech manual. So uh, that that's if I could only play with one, that would be the one. Celestial players everywhere are sad. Yeah. They're like, that's our one optional rule besides, you know, PDNI <laughs> and cyborg enhancements. <laughs> Just give us retractable blades. For me, it's tough because none, none of these, I feel like, are mandatory. Like, I have played no optional rule games and been perfectly happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But pick one anyway. Yeah, I think would probably just be floating crits just because right, i was gonna say if you didn't pick floating crits a thousand 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 of our listeners would be would be shouting floating crits are not an optional rule into the into whatever device they're listening and it's um, only because i don't mind if the game slows down like a little bit when we mm-hmm. learn like oh you're right it has been like 20 games since i took a hip hit and still lived I understand the draw for for floating criticals. It's just not as important to me as it is to a lot of other players. It has its place. It's there for fun. And it's in the Battle Mac manual. I will allow it for sure. That's optional rules. Some of them optional. Some of them recommended. Some of them leave it home. <laughs> do not. Don't even leave yeah. Mega Mac. We put it in a little box. It says do not open. All right. You got anything else to say, Denim? I mean, just the normal. Uh you know, you can contact us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook and Discord. And a special thank you to all of our Patreons. So, really, the rules are optional. But playing the game isn't. So get out there and roll some dice. Roll some dice.